Amen. Amen. Thank you. Those that are staying home, we're going to pray the fire down. <laughs> no, thank you so much. What a, what a blessing it is, is for Mrs. Williams and me uh, to be here uh, and uh, to fellowship with you folks. Uh, you know, fellowship isn't two guys in a ship, okay? Uh, it's God's people enjoying each other and being built up in each other to better serve the Lord. And so, wonderful, wonderful, the fellowship. Thank you, Brother Jason, for a wonderful youth uh, activity this week. I don't know how many were here, but uh, God blessed and God worked, and what a joy to see a church that's interested in everybody, everybody. You know, they talk about a full-service bank. Well, this is a full-service church. Amen. Uh, and uh, so, uh, and then I, Ms. Williams and I got to uh, have uh, lunch today with the seniors. Uh, not senior citizens, it's the seniors. Uh, and uh, uh, we enjoyed that time with them. And uh, Brother Sean, and I enjoyed preaching in the school uh, this week. Uh, and then the pastor, of course, uh, serves on our board uh, of the Tom Williams Evangelistic Ministries. And what a joy it is to have him on the board. And you uh, pray for the ministry that uh, God would continue to use it uh, in a wonderful, wonderful way. We have a great radio ministry for which we thank God over 35 years. We've been on the radio uh, every five days a week. Uh, you can put the app on your phone and uh, then you can listen clear back in the archives all the way back to 2009. We have everything in the archives. So thousands of messages uh, are available there for you to listen to. We were had a blessing uh, a few years ago, a young couple down in Alabama that listened uh, every day, every day to the ministry. And he said, you know, Brother Williams, he, he said, I've been passing a widow lady's house on the way to work. And uh, God really been burdening my heart. The old house looks terrible. It needs painting. But I don't know how to just stop and say, your house needs painting uh, uh, to this widow lady. But he said, I, I sure want to paint it. And and uh, he said, I, I just, he said, I, I know that that in in all of the sermons that Brother Williams has preached, there must be an answer. Uh, and uh, so he uh, opened up the archives and he went back to 2014 and just picked out a, a message out of the hundreds and hundreds of messages in 2014. <laughs> and if he hadn't have told me, I wouldn't have believed it, but he said... I put it in, Brother Williams, and I started playing it. And the first thing out of your mouth was, go paint that widow woman's home. <laughs> so, God, God loved to get on you, you know. Uh, I had preached a message one time about helping the widows. And, and, so, and you ought to help the widows, okay? You want God to bless you, help the widows. 
He has a special place for widows and for the children that are truly fatherless. Uh, and uh, so you need to be particularly care. God said uh, that pure religion and undefiled before God is to visit the widows and the fatherless in their affliction. And uh, so do that. Do that. You young men, find somebody that doesn't have a daddy and man, be a friend to him. Uh, and uh, you moms and dads, instead of sitting around like a fat frog in front of the television set uh, on a Sunday afternoon, go visit. Go visit a widow lady. Oh, how God will bless you for that. Uh, Miss Williams and I, we have all the widows of our church out to our home once a year. We buy them something. Each one of them gets a gift. And one lady, I'll never forget, she said, she got all through and Miss Williams just fixes a meal you can't believe and fancy dessert and everything. And she said, aren't you going to take an offering? <laughs> I said, no, ma'am, this is offerless, okay? Uh, and uh, But uh, uh, we have them out once a year, save up our money and get them a present. And, and or Miss Williams just works her fingers to the bone and, and uh, sews them up something or crochets them up something. Uh, and uh, so uh, there's so many ways you can serve God if you just want to. Uh, and, and I hope that you'll discover uh, some of those ways. Amen. Thank you, church, for uh, the uh, wonderful time. Thanks, Brother Randy and Mrs. Shook. They just let us come over there and invade the house. And, and I, we do all the cooking. They just eat. And... and uh, <laughs> No, that isn't true. <laughs> they are wonderful hosts. Uh, and uh, so uh, just uh, you pray for the shooks, would you? Uh, and that uh, Randy and his dear wife, what servants of the Lord, went over to Thailand. And, uh, and they weren't kids anymore either when they went. Uh, and uh, thank God how he used them there. Uh, and there's still results going on. You know, when you serve the Lord, uh, the results years and years and years later. Uh, it's wonderful, wonderful. I, uh, I have a letter in my briefcase, in fact. Should have brought it tonight and read it. A uh, young lady in California, uh, her, some of her teenage friends invited her one night to hear me preach in Paris, California, uh, 60 years ago. And for the first time ever, she came to church, 15 years old, got saved. And she sent a letter uh, just recently and said, Today, I'm thanking God for Jesus Christ and for Brother Tom Williams. She said, I, uh, 15 years old, went in with some of my friends, and I got saved that night. She said, I've never looked back. I've never strayed away. And I wanted you to know that someone who was saved 60 years ago, she would be 75 years old. And she said, I'm still going on with the Lord. Uh, man, that's the kind of perks that I like. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I said, I said amen. Yeah. Uh, a woman, something, say something. Uh, you know, uh, okay. Good, good. Well, thank you, Brother John, for having us again. And it's been our blessing uh, to be with you and your sweet wife and children and to see you sing.
with the girls. How precious. How precious. I don't know when I have seen a man sing with his daughters. And uh, some of them sing with their sons and wives and so forth. But to see the two girls up here with their dad, thank God, looking like their mother. Uh, But... uh, (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I better cut that off, okay? (laughs) I don't have that love offering yet. (laughs) All right, good. Well, take your Bibles tonight, please, and uh, pray for our trip tomorrow. we get up in, in the morning and pray for Pastor. He has offered to drive us uh, to the airport and be there by 4 o'clock. Our flight is at 5 o'clock. Uh, and uh, we fly up to Washington, D.C. The airlines amaze me. You go that way so you can go this way. Uh, and that uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, but we fly up to Washington, D.C., lay over two hours, and then fly to our home uh, in, uh, over in Indiana land at Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and be there, and uh, then we are back on an airplane Friday morning at, I think, 5.30, uh, going to Atlanta to preach the funeral of uh, a man who worked for us 17 years and was our friend for many, many, many years, a man that had a lot of heartache in life, but victorious over it all. Uh, and uh, he just he just loved the Lord, and he loved me. He's the only man in 67 years of serving God that said to me one day, Dr. Williams, if God wants you to die, I want him to let me take your place. You don't see many friends like that. I had one other friend that did that. His name was Jesus. Pray for my dear wife. Not easy to travel. And uh, go and go and go and go. uh, She's a jewel. And I thank God for Janine. And uh, she loves me. Isn't that amazing? That is to me. <laughs> Amen. And uh, thank God. Uh, we'll be married uh, 16 years in December. Uh, and it's been great. Amen. Amen. All right. Good. Let's find out just something real interesting uh, here for just a moment, and then I'll preach. Uh, who's been saved? Uh, over 50 years. Okay, Brother Randy, Mrs. Okay. How many, Randy? Sixty-nine years you've been saved. Anybody been saved more than 69 years? More than 69 years. All right. You may kiss your wife. Amen. Yeah. 
Anybody else want me to tell you you can kiss your wife? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was doing a marriage seminar, and uh, was, oh, we must have had 50 couples, I guess, or 60. And uh, there was a young couple sitting right on the front row, just like Brother Randy and Mark. And I said, now, I'm not going any further till every one of you kiss your wife. And boy, they were kissing all over the building. And I said to this young fellow, now, I'm serious. I said, I'm not going any further till every man in this building kisses their wife. He said, she ain't my wife. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, that was a good job, Brother Randy. You did that well, yeah. <laughs> I better move on here. <laughs> Take your Bibles this evening, please. Turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew and uh, chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Uh, I, I got to tell you this. This is so funny to me. Uh, this college student came to me, and he said, "Doctor Williams, do you realize that nobody ever kissed on the lips until 300 A.D.?" I said, "Really." He said, yeah, he said, the professor down at the university, boy, he's got all kinds of degrees in history. And and he said, nobody ever kissed on the lips until 300 A.D. I said, son, do you believe the Bible? He said, yes. Does it talk about kissing on the lips? I said, "Uh uh-huh. He said, "Uh, it does? I said, yeah. I said, it says in the book of the Song of Solomon that he said, under his wife's tongue, it tastes like honey. I said, now, son, you don't think he sucked it through her jaw, do you? <laughs> he said, no, sir, I believe you're right. <laughs> All right, let's better, we now have to do get on with it. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, please. Matthew, if you've not been saved long, Matthew is the uh, first book in the New Testament. Matthew and chapter 12. Our Heavenly Father, it's good for us to laugh. You gave us that. And you said, A merry heart's like a medicine that doeth good. Help us to laugh more. You laugh. Bible says in a number of places, God laughs. And you will laugh at the ignorance of men who have refused you and refused your son. And so tonight, would you make the message a blessing to the folks that are here and the folks that are listening in Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 12. I want to uh, tonight give you something to remember about your Savior and how great He really is. 
the Bible says in Matthew 12 and in verse 6. But I say unto you that in this place, he was speaking there, and he said, is one greater than the temple. Now, if you know anything about your Bible, the temple was so important to the Jewish nation. Uh, I mean, it was uh, just absolutely the place where everything else stopped, uh, and the temple was recognized, uh, and uh, it was holy, holy, holy. Uh, And uh, so when Jesus said, there's one here greater than the temple, the Jews didn't like that at all. They didn't think anything was greater than the temple. Uh, And uh, the temple was actually worshipped by them. Uh, And uh, they spent so much time at the temple. And yet Jesus said, there's one here greater than the temple. You see, Christ is greater than the temple. Uh, And uh, you need to remember that. And the Jews, this is one of their foundations. This is one of the things that they cling to and that they believe is the very thing that helps them uh, through life and through eternity is the temple. Now notice it says in Matthew twelve six, there's one greater here than the temple. And then notice, if you would, in chapter 12 and verse 41. Chapter 12, where we are, and verse 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Now, Jonah was a great prophet. Uh, The Sanhedrin is ignorant of that fact and was ignorant of that fact. Uh, So many people are led astray because they don't study the Word of God. You need to study the Bible. Thank God that you have a man that loves the Bible, preaches the Bible, but he's just a man. You have to understand that. I'm just a man. Uh, And you need to search the scriptures for who? For yourself. Search the scriptures and study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. See, if I I cooked a big T-bone steak uh, like you like it, and, uh, you know, just a little juice on top and the insides are wonderful and, and all. And I bring it in and put it on your plate. I can tell you what you are not going to do. You are not going to pick that steak up and lick on it and just kind of lick around on it. No, what you're going to do is you're going to reach over on, if your table is set correctly, you're going to reach over on this side of your plate and get your knife, and you're going to reach over on this side of your plate and get the fork, and you are going to rightly divide that steak. And that's exactly the same word God is telling you about this book, young people. This book, mom and dad, rightly divide it. Rightly divide the word of God. Study to show yourself approved. And you need to understand, uh, please, now, now hang on, hang on, okay, I haven't lost my mind. This is God's word. It is true that every word in here was spoken. 
But it is not true that every word in here is true. If it was, then God would not have said in the book of Job, Job said what was right about me, but you men didn't. And all their conversation is recorded in the book of Job. You're going to find things in the Bible that were actually said, but they were alive when men said it. You've got to study to show yourself approved under God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed. We have too many preachers today that just parrot what somebody else said. I was at First Baptist Church many, many years ago, preached up there now for nearly 40 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, this preacher got up, not anybody on staff, he was a guest speaker, and he said, anybody, anybody, anybody that will wear bell-bottom breeches is a fink. I walked up to him afterwards, I said, do you believe everything you preach? He said, yes. Why? I said, didn't you and, you, you and me got a real problem. He said, what is it? I said, you just called every sailor boy that died for you and me a fake. Because they all were bell-bottom breeches. He said, why do we say things so stupid? I said, because you heard somebody else say it. And you didn't bother to check it out. Look, get in the book. Say what the Bible says, not what you've heard somebody say it says. Please, please, study the book. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. Just get in the book. I don't need to know what the JWs teach. I don't need to know what the Mormons teach. I don't need to know what the Church of Christ believes. I don't need to know, uh, you know, who about this and that. All I need to know, ladies and gentlemen, is this book so well that I won't believe what they say. And you need to study the book. Years ago, when my second wife, uh, Pam, was so sick and uh, and I had to be a mom and dad both, and I had to do all the housework and so forth. Uh, and so we were traveling in the motorhome there uh, for some time, uh, and uh, I went in the laundromat to do the wash. Uh, and I was in there and had my stuff in the washer, and I'm sitting there on one of them counters where you fold clothes, and I had on uh, some Levi's and an old shirt and a hat, and, and uh, these two fellows walked in. Have the same last name, every one of them I've ever met. It's Elder. Uh, and uh, they walked in and they walked up to me and said, uh, You're reading the Bible. I said, I am. They said, Maybe we could help you understand it. And I said, Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, and uh, oh, so they said, Now you need this book. They had the staff of Joseph, you know. Uh, and uh, the book of Joseph Smith. And, and they said, you need this book to understand this book. I said, can you show me in this book where I need that book? And I knew where they were going. They were going over to the staff of Joseph. And, and I, I said, uh, Joseph who? 
They said, Joseph Smith. I said, the Bible doesn't say Smith. He said, it's Joseph Smith. I said, the Bible don't say Smith. He said, I, that's, that's Joseph Smith. I said, the Bible don't say Smith. Boy, he stood up about as tall as he could. And he said, I testify to you. That's Joseph Smith. And I stood up about as tall as I could. And I said, I testify to you. You're a liar. <laughs> I said, if the book don't say Smith, it ain't Smith. Now, you need to learn your Bible. You need just, I don't care who's standing up here in this party. This man don't care if you go home and search the Bible. Did the preacher really tell us the truth today? That man there wouldn't lie to you for ten billion dollars. But he's a man. Get in the book. Get in the book. And, and Jesus said, I tell you, there's one here greater than Jonas. Now, I'm telling you all that to tell you this. The Sanhedrin, that's the smartest men in Israel. They are at the very top of everything. Uh, and they were wise men, no question about it. And they said, never has a prophet come out of Galilee. Never. And they based so much of what they believed on the fact that no prophet had ever come out of Galilee. And Jonah was from Galilee. And Jesus has said right here, he is a prophet. You see, they had not studied. If you go back and study the Old Testament and you come to Jonah, and Jonah was the son of Amittai, and Amittai was a Zebulonite. Did you know there's one of the men that was 12 tribes of Israel named Zebulun? Yeah, and he was a Zebulonite. And so when Joshua divided the land, he started out at the Mediterranean Sea and he cut a straight cross over there and a wide section of land and wound up at the Galilean Sea. Jonah was from Galilee. He was the son of Amittai. But they said never a prophet has come out of it. Jesus said, I tell you, there's one here greater than Jonah. Jonah was greater. Jesus wouldn't have said that. And here we find Jesus saying, I'm greater than Jonah. I'm greater than the temple. And then look over just a little bit in chapter 12, where you already are, at verse 42. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived on the face of the earth as far as just a man. And yet, Jesus said, there's one here greater than Solomon, and said that the queen of the south is going to rise up in judgment against this generation because she believed that Solomon was great because God had made him great. And she got all of these questions together and come up and ask him and couldn't stump him, brought him forth. 
14 million dollars in gold and all kinds of precious stones that none of us know uh, how much those would be worth and all other kinds of things uh, and uh, gave them to him as a gift. And she said concerning Solomon, the half has never been told about you. You are so great, greater than I have heard. And yet Jesus said, there's one here greater than Solomon. Yeah, here's the Lord Jesus, and the queen is of, of, of the south is going to condemn them at the judgment seat because they did not believe that he was greater than Solomon. He's greater than the temple. He's greater than Jonah. He's greater than Solomon. Didn't notice in your Bible, in John chapter 4, please, the book of John and chapter 4, and notice what the Bible says. In John and chapter 4, and I'll be there in just a minute, uh, and uh, it says this in the, the fourth chapter of John, and I call your attention uh, to verse 12. John chapter 4 and verse 12. And the Bible says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jonah's well will not cure your thirst. But the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. You know, I, I, God saved me out of a worldly, wicked life, and I have never thirsted after that life in 67 years because I met the Master. Uh, you know, you talk about the master's touch. Amen. Amen. Uh, listen, Jesus Christ said, yes, I'm greater than Jacob. Jacob's water won't satisfy him, but mine will. And friend, tonight, if you haven't drunk from the water of life, then you're not saved. You're not saved. You must drink of the water that Jesus brought. Oh my, what a thrill, what a thrill, what a thrill to drink the water that he gives and it satisfies and he's greater than Jacob. Boy, they swear by Jacob. I mean, Jacob, the whole nation of Israel is named after Jacob. But Jesus said, there's one greater than Jacob. And then notice, if you would please, uh, in your Bible, in John 8, and now he's he's just kicking the, the props right out of the Jewish nation. I mean, they are collapsing so fast it's impossible to tell you what he's doing to them in this conversation. In John 8 and verse 53. John 8 and verse 53. And we read tonight this. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. If you have known him, but I know him, you, yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like you. <laughs> you think Jesus didn't preach straight? He did. <laughs> 
He did. He told those Pharisees on the outside, you're white as suffers, and on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. And, and uh, he said here, he, he said, it is my father that honors me would say that you is your God. You have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Amen. He said, Abraham saw my day. Where did he see that? When Abraham took his son up on Mount Moriah uh, to uh, kill him, as God had asked him to do, to sacrifice him. Uh, And he climbs up on this side of Mount Moriah, uh, and he's going up there. He hasn't told Isaac yet that he's going to die. And he gets up there, and they build this altar of stones that have never been cut or touched. And they build this altar, and he takes Isaac. Uh, I think his name was Ike. Uh, My daddy gave a nickname name to everybody and uh, uh, he, he got Ike up there and, and he said Ike he said uh, you know uh, you and I have been out a lot of times uh, and sacrificed now this is no different except you are the sacrifice you know when Lot told his children they need to get right with God they laughed but Isaac didn't laugh because his daddy loved God, served God. And here we find Abraham taking Isaac. Uh, and the, the way they did this, they took a sheep and they tied the front legs together. And they tied the back legs together. Then they stretched the sheep out uh, on the, this table of stone. And then they took a knife and they reached under the sheep's throat and cut the jugular vein so that the sheep would completely bleed. And here's Isaac. He's on the the, the slab table now. Abraham, we are told, has reached and gotten the knife, and he's ready to slaughter his son. He'd already told him, Ike, we're going up top, but we're coming back together. He said to the young men down there, we will be back. We will be back. And so he takes that knife and all of a sudden as Isaac and his daddy are going up this side of the mountain, an angel is shoving a ram over here up this side of the mountain and he sticks his head right in a thorn tree. And those thorns are more than three and a quarter inches long because you see Mount Moriah of the Old Testament is Mount Calvary of the New Testament. You can see that in First Chronicles 3. Uh, and uh, here, right at the same place, same place, uh, that they're going to plant the cross of Christ. Here's this ram with his head stuck in a thorn thicket. And Abraham, here's God say. Abraham, that's enough. That's enough. And he made this sheep go And Abraham looked up. And there, as he was looking up, he was looking at the very place that Calvary was.
2,000 years almost before Calvary's cross, Abraham saw Christ hanging on that cross. His boy ready to die on the slab. This old man is over 120-something years old. Do you know what that old man did? Jehovah Jireh! He said, in the mount of God, they're going to see it. And he cut Aki loose. You saved tonight? It's because he has cut you loose and died in your place. They said, are you greater than Abraham? He said, Abraham? Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. They said, you're not 50 years old yet. And you saw Abraham? He said, for Abraham was. I am. Amen. I am. Greater than Jacob. Greater than Abraham. Greater than Solomon. Greater, my friend, than the temple. Greater Greater, not just as great, greater, greater. And then we find that this is, he's just kicking every every pillar out from what the Jews believe. I mean, he's destroying them and what they have believed. He said, greater than David. Look at Psalm 110 and verse 1, please. Psalm 110 and verse 1. Psalms is in the middle of your Bible. Uh, and it's good to hear Bible pages rustling. Amen. Uh, and in Psalm 110, this is what David said. Psalm 110 and verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. David said, The Lord said unto my Lord, David said, the Lord said unto my Lord. You know what David was saying? That Jesus is greater than David. And David, oh, how the Jews swear by David. They were hanging on to David, hanging on to Abraham, hanging on to the well of Jacob, and hanging on to the temple and everything. And he's just kicking every prop out from under the Jewish religion, and now he's greater than David because David called him Lord. He said he's my Lord. That makes Jesus, and and here is God and Jesus mentioned. He said, the Lord said unto my Lord. He said, God said unto Christ. God said unto Christ. And he said, I'm greater than that. Greater than Moses. Oh, man, this is the last prop they have left. Uh, Moses. Oh, Moses, 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 Moses. That's why God didn't bury Moses where anybody could find him. Because they would have worshipped him if they could have found him. But God buried him in the valley that they could not find him. Uh, and uh, so here we find what the Bible says in John 5 and verse 46. 
Back to John again, please. Back, back to John. And uh, we'll look there at chapter 5. John and uh, chapter 5. And the Bible says in John 5 and verse 46. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. He wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? And then turn over, please, uh, to the book of John, or book of Luke, excuse, chapter 24. The book of Luke and chapter 24. And you remember that there are two people walking down the road to Emmaus. Emmaus was about five to six miles away from Jerusalem. Christ has died on the cross and the apostles are scattering and two of people were walking down the road in the book of Luke and chapter 24. Book of Luke and chapter 24. And I'll be at Luke in just a minute. J. Sidlow Baxter, the Englishman, said, let us Luke into Luke. Uh, and so... Uh, you go to Luke and chapter 24 and we'll read there uh, and see what the Bible says concerning Moses and how he was less than Christ. Luke 24 and verse 27. For whether is greater, he that sitteth... No, I'm in the wrong chapter. Chapter 22. Chapter 24 and verse 27. These two men, or two people, are walking down the Emmaus Road. And then he said to them, O fool, slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, that's, that's the five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Boy, wouldn't you like to have been walking along there? He took the Psalms and told them everything in the Psalms that was speaking of him. He took Genesis and told them everything in Genesis that was speaking of him, of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. He kept unveiling and unveiling himself. Oh, I tell you, the Christ of the Old Testament is the Christ of the New Testament. And please understand it. Get in the book and study and all you will be thrilled. People say, why do you preach so much from the Old Testament? I said, because there's so much in the Old Testament. Don't believe these churches that don't believe the Old Testament. Jesus Christ believed the Old Testament. He quoted it and quoted it and quoted it. And when the devil was trying to tempt him three times out of the book of Deuteronomy, he shut the devil down. Uh, and so we find here that he's greater than Moses. He's greater than that. And, and then there's Aaron, the high priest. And the Bible says, and I'll have you not turn back there again, Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Aaron was after the order of men. Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek had no father. Melchizedek had no mother. He had no beginning. He had no ending. And Jesus was greater. 
than Melchizedek. And so he's great. Let me close tonight with you turning to John 10, please. The book of John and chapter 10. Let's read, starting with verse 28. John 10 and verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Then said the Jews, took up stones to stone him, and so forth. And he said, I give unto them eternal life. My sheep hear my voice. And then he says, my father is greater than I am. My father is greater than I am. My father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Look at John 14, please. John 14. John 14 and verse 28. The words of Jesus Christ himself. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father for my Father is greater than I. Jesus is greater than Aaron, greater than Moses, greater than David, greater than the temple, greater than Jonah. But there's one greater than Jesus Christ, and that's his Father. He is the God of the universe. He is the God who took his son, Jesus, and through him created everything there is. Uh, And we find that men today eliminate the Father. Eliminate the Father. Take your songbook tonight uh, and look in it, and you'll find probably 75 to 80%, if not more, of the songs are about Jesus. And the Father has been ignored. Jesus Christ would not have been here if the Father had not sent him. Jesus Christ came at the will of the Father, He stayed at the will of the Father, because he said, at Calvary's hill, not my will, but thine. We have a great Savior. So great, it's indescribable. Indescribable, by my tongue or anybody else's. But he admitted to his disciples, he said, My father is greater than I. When they ask him when he's coming back, he said, I have no idea because that has been reserved for my father. Please understand, Jesus Christ is God's son. He has a father. If he doesn't, 
I have no idea who he was talking to on Calvary when he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? God did not turn his back on his son as you hear preached so often. You said, but Brother Williams, he said he forsook him. If I took Brother John tonight and we went downtown uh, somewhere and there's a lot of, uh, of roughers down there and, you know, and they want looking for somebody they can beat up and we're walking along and, and some of them jump out of an alley and grab us and they start beating the preacher up and I shimmy up a light post and I hang on up there and I watch them beat the preacher to death. I forsook him. I forsook him but I didn't turn my back. I watched the whole thing. Be sure of this tonight, that the eternal God of heaven and earth watched Calvary every single moment, that nothing would be done but what had been prophesied. If it were not in the Bible, I could not believe. Isaiah said, The Father laid on him our iniquity. God took our sins and put them on his spotless Son. What love. What love. And you know what Jesus said in John 14? The Father himself loveth you. Jesus said it. I know that it's true. Oh, can it be that the Father himself loveth me? How wonderful that God loves us. Enough to take this beloved son, the only begotten son of God, and put him on the cross, buried him in our sins, nailed him to the tree in our sins, so that we could be saved by amazing grace and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 1, 5 says unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Boy, what a wash day God had when he washed a bunch of us covered with sin. But the blood cleanses deeper than the stain has come. Whiter than snow. Some songs say, you know, white as snow. No, the Bible says whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. You know how snowflakes are made? Up yonder, above us tonight, there's rain and the water up there comes and it falls. You know why it falls? It's heavier than air. So it falls right down through the air. And there's a dust circle around our earth. And when it falls through that, it picks up a speck of dust. 
And then it begins to build a snowflake around that speck of dust. Every snowflake, it looks beautiful, it looks white, but every snowflake has a speck in it. Every snowflake is different because every speck is different. But I want you to know, as wicked as I was, as sinful as I was, I want you to understand that I, I don't have the speck. I'm whiter than the snow. Not even the speck. You know why? I've been washed in the blood. Washed in the blood. You know, over in Isaiah 118, I get to teaching on this. I like to go on. So just sit still. Uh, If you go home, you'll just eat and you don't need it. Uh, In Isaiah 118, God gives a double illustration. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He says, he didn't say as pure, he said as white. And then he said, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now watch. Why did God use a double illustration in the same verse? How many times can you wash snow? Just once. How many times you need to get saved? Just once. How many times can you wash wool? Again and again and again and again. You see, every day you need to be cleansed. And the same blood that saved your soul cleanses your soul. Every single day. You know, this, the, the wordless song, you ever heard that? Uh, you know, in the wordless Bible. Uh, and they, they make sin black. Now, no place in this book is sin black. You can take a piece of red cellophane and you can look down through it and down here, you take a, a, a paper and you write a black word on it and then you write a red word over the type of the black word and you look down through this red cellophane and you can't see. You can't see the red word anymore. All you see is the black word because red through red appears absolutely white. When God takes the crimson, scarlet blood of his son and puts over our crimson, scarlet sin, he sees nothing. Glory! Amen. Come on, preacher.